It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. Except we finished the Bible, and so now we're talking about stories that you think might be in there but simply aren't. My name is Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. Let's get biblical. But before we do, as always, there are a few things we need to warn you about. What are those things, Nico Bakulich? First of all, this is not a podcast for small children. I mean, life is not for small children, as far as I can tell. I, I think they seem to be having a great time every time I see them in the street. <laughs> really? It seems to me like they're always crying and shitting their pants. Well, that sounds like anyway, a great time to me. not but... a Christian Bible study podcast, as you may be able to tell from the last sentence that I uttered. Oh, I'm the ex-Christian. was raised Presbyterian, taught Sunday school, sang in the worship band. Now I'm an atheist. And now I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. I also am an English speaker. <laughs> Believe it or not. Native English speaker. to me. Right here. And for this episode, we are going back to uh, a tradition we established in season two, which is talking about apocryphal texts, which are Bible books that didn't actually make it into the real canonical Bible. For reasons of merit or otherwise. Or otherwise. And... The good news is that... Have you heard the good news? <laughs> I have, and it is that because we're doing a, a fixed text this week, I get to do fast facts. <laughs> okay, I, I don't love the idea, but so I love Andrew, the fiction. he's one of the 12 disciples mm -hmm. in the canonical Bible, and he's one of the main ones. He's not one of these second-tier disciples. It's like... Is he Bartholomew? Is he Nathaniel? He wasn't one of the replacements. I don't know. He is one of the originals. He's Simon Peter's brother. Jesus invites him to be a fisher of men. But the Acts of Andrew is not in the Bible. It's one of these delightful, wacky, apocryphal Acts books. There's one canonical one, which is Acts of the Apostles. Mm -hmm. That's in the New Testament. Which is not goofy per se, it's but... It's like relatively goofy, right? right? It's got... Uh, you know, Paul sailing around the Mediterranean. It's got uh, Peter killing people who don't donate all their property to the commune. That's right. It's got a couple of resurrections in it, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, one person like gets bored from Paul lecturing and, and falls dies. asleep and, and falls out a window and dies. But Paul raises him back from the dead, so it's fine. Uh, obviously, people wanted more of these types of stories because most of the New Testament is just like, Paul slut-shaming humanity. <laughs> um, these Acts books are much more fun to read or listen to, as was the case, because most people were illiterate back then. So we did a bunch of them in season two, 
Acts of Paul and Thecla, Acts of John, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Somehow we missed the Acts of Andrew. We would have done it in season two, but we didn't realize that it existed. Uh, Anyway, it was harder to find background information on this book. It's probably from sometime in the second or third century. Mm -hmm. It's often attributed to Lucius Carinus, along with several other apocryphal Acts books. He was apparently a prolific Bible fan writer. Yeah, Bible fanfic writer. The version that survives today exists in a few separate fragments, and we both read a translation by M.R. James, uh, who was a big uh, translator of biblical texts. He was a big-time Bible boy. Big-time, a big Bible boy. Of the early 20th century. Yes. Um, And the first fragment comes to us via the 6th century French bishop Gregory of Tours, who edited it for us. Right. He wanted to trim down its excessive verbosity and thus edited out all that bread weariness, but retained all the wonderful miracles. All that bread weariness? All that bread weariness. It's time for the paleo diet. So thank you, Gregory of Tours, uh, for your editorial instincts, because let's be honest, the zany miracles are all we care about. Yeah, and apparently Gregory of Tours was a real company man, if you know what I'm saying. I don't. Well, like, I think the implication is in the editing process, a lot of this text was like brought more in line with how the 6th century church was thinking about Christianity Ah, at the time. I see. Yeah, and he was also famous, I, I gather, for writing books about a saint called Martin of Tours and turning his grave into a major Catholic pilgrimage site. He was a big, uh, a big tourist guy. That's why they called him Gregory of Tours. That's awful. So. Really terrible stuff. First fragment of the Acts of Andrew. After Jesus, you know, comes back from the dead, spends 40 days with the disciples, and then ascends to heaven. Basically, all the apostles go out into the world to start spreading the gospel and performing miracles. And so our first fragment is edited down to just miracles. Yeah, this is really cut to the bone. It's just a list of miracles. Honestly, I feel like it could actually maybe even use some filler because the miracles start to get tiresome, but we're not there yet. So he starts with some normal normal miracles. What is uh, a normal miracle, Lord? You know, restoring sight to a blind man, uh, bringing someone back from the dead. That type of thing. Dude, he brings so many people back from the brings dead. brings a lot this. of people back from the dead, but... Really diluting the power <laughs> of that miracle, I know he brings in my like, opinion. He brings, like, far more people back from the dead than Jesus. Oh, by a <laughs> like, factor by, of, like, a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> um, but things also get weird. Because we soon meet a, quote-unquote, Christian lad <laughs> named Sostratus. Okay. Uh, whose mother keeps trying to have sex with him. And because he refuses, she's gone to the local government to report him for trying to have sex with her. It's a Potiphar's Potiphar's wife situation because, as we know, uh, what everyone really needs to be worried about in this world is false uh, accusations by women. Mm -hmm. A plague then as it is now. (laughs) That is a joke. That's a joke. Do not add us. So uh, the local government is going to tie Sostratus in a leather bag and throw him in the river because that's uh, the the punishment that's been established. For hitting on your mom? Uh, actually, it's for killing your mom, mm. which they feel that this is equal to that. Mm. But 
You're killing your mother. <laughs> Andrew intervenes. There's an earthquake. The proconsul or, you know, like mayor guy, governor slash mayor guy. Right. So did we establish that Andrew is touring Greece in this? Because he is. Oh, um, yeah, he's touring Greece. You know, they're they're all like touring Greece. They're not all touring Greece. Some, some of them are touring India and pulling twin breaks. Some like of them went to Turkey. Thomas, you're right. They really did divide up the world. Okay. He's in he's in Greece. Thank you for establishing that. The proconsul is thrown from his seat by an Andrew started earthquake. Mm-hmm. Incest mom withers up and dies. And then uh, everyone converts to Christianity. Yeah, I don't know how she withers and dies. What do you mean you don't know how she withers and dies? I mean, I guess the normal way God usually withers yeah, people. Yeah, you, you get mean, totally withered. <laughs> Fair enough. We've all been there. <laughs> We've all been totally withered, bro. But that, I think, speaks to the matter-of-factness of this particular story. And the, these acts, these apocryphal acts, especially those from this period, the 2nd and 3rd century, are often called romances mm-hmm. if they're in this particular category. Yeah, because they read like, you know, obviously not romances in the in the modern day sense, but like, you know, these grand adventures. Right. Um, that are kind of like, you know, a chivalrous knight restoring order wherever he goes type of romance. Very much so. In fact, the way this was summarized, I guess, by Gregory. Of rem- course. Reminds me a lot of some of the like. King Arthur stories yeah, and whatever. Totally. Because they it would just be Gawain or whatever wandering into a town and being confronted with some awful problem. With, you know, incest. <laughs> and then he's, mean, he's like, this is not okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if Gawain had to do battle with that particular I feel demon, like he did, though, didn't he? One of them did. <laughs> one of the Knights of the Round Table definitely had to stop incest. Uh, Andrew's next miracle is also quite weird uh, because there's a guy named Cratonus whose son has been possessed by a demon because he bathed in the women's bath. That's right. So Andrew takes care of that. Uh, Cratonus himself also has a fever, and his wife has dropsy Mm -hmm. because they were both cheating on each other. Do you know what dropsy is? No, I don't. It's the old-timey word for edema, I looked this up. Oh, wow. Which is when your tissues, like, uh, are full of fluid. Gross. Yeah, where where there shouldn't be fluid. Because it makes you look like you're, like... Arms and legs are going to dropsy right off. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so Andrew, uh, you know, gets them to promise they will stop cheating on each other, which is what has caused right. their afflictions, uh, and cures them both. And it says, like, the water broke from the woman's body. Mm-hmm. And they try to give Andrew all these gifts as repayment. Um, and he's like, you know, oh, shucks, ma'am, I'm just doing my job. You know, give those things to the poor. In this text... As handed down to us by Gregory. Yes. The miracles course. are all exactly the same in, yes. in, in, in construction. They're each one paragraph uh-huh. uh, where He's, he lays out a condition. You have to stop doing something evil or you have to start believing in Jesus and then I will do this miracle. Right. And then I will not take any payment. Right. Often he'll take a kid or two in payment. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, well, like, they will, that they the will cleave to him right. in the words of the text. Mm. It's always like, and so-and-so clave to Andrew. Can you imagine him trying to get from place to place in Greece with, like, hundreds of people hanging off him? I can, vividly. Dragging a, a big, like, rat king of holy people <laughs> <laughs> behind him. Speaking of rat kings, he uh, defeats seven demons in the form of dogs that live in a graveyard and attack people at noon. I just like that detail. They're going to do it at, at midday. It's like the witching hour, so but 
in the daytime. Very few of these miracles are actually connected, but these two are. So like you're saying, he hears about these seven devils living among the tombs by the wayside yes. who harass passersby. Yes. Um, and at the end of that story, it's not really a story, it's a paragraph. He bade the demons go into dry and barren places and hurt no man till the last day. Cut to the next paragraph. <laughs> at the gate of Nicomedia... He met a dead man. Nicomedia, by the way, is the name that's, of my production yeah, company. That's your production company. He met a dead man born on a bier, and his old father supported by slaves hardly able to walk and his old mother with hair torn bewailing. How has it happened? Andrew asked. He was alone in his chamber and seven dogs rushed on him and killed him. Seven dogs? We just... I just met seven dogs. Andrew sighed and said, this is an ambush of the demons I banished from Nikaya. What will you do, father, if I restore your son? You'd cause this, you prick. And now you're here to bargain? Is that oh, the way it works? Oh, he caused it. I didn't get that. You thought it was just a coincidence? He, yeah, I, I thought it happened like before he came on the scene. Well, the demon, well, yeah. He banished just, them and then they killed the, the dude on their way out. Right. Got it. And proving that people even live in the barren and dry places. Yes, yeah, he didn't. He, he also didn't apparently take that into account. got just a promise from these seven demons not to hurt anyone. Yeah, simply not good D enough. That, that's not really the type of person who I would like, you know, accept an oral contract. That's from. right. Oh, you killed him. Well, uh, what can we pay you to bring him back? Yeah, that's racketeering. Uh, that's extortion. <laughs> um. And so then he raises that young man back from Does. the dead, and then that young man clave to him. Yeah, cleaves all about him. Uh, what cleave him and leave him, that's what cleave I say. Cleave him and leave him. Uh, Medius of Philippi asks Andrew to heal his son. Um, and, oh, this time the condition that Andrew sets out for the miracle um, is that first Medius, who is, I guess, a proconsul or whatever, has to free these prisoners who he put in jail for, quote, an unspeakable crime, mm -hmm. who are, quote, putrefied with sores. That's right. The unspeakable crime is truly unspeakable. It is not spoken. It is not specified. Um, apparently, Andrew doesn't think it's a big deal. He thinks these people should go free. And I mean, it, so... that's a very Christ-like act. I mean, radical forgiveness. Although yeah. it's confusing in the text when it's so heavily edited. Like I don't know what moral lesson we're supposed to take from this. Presumably that was included in the original version. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, so the 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 incest mom withered and died. Right. That was her, like, just Absolutely. desserts. Mm -hmm. So one has to wonder what this unspeakable crime was and that it's not a big deal. Apparently not. But, okay, so Medeas releases the prisoners, Andrew heals his son, and then the son becomes part of the Rat King. <laughs> they all also, like... I feel like it kind of cheapens the miracles. I mean, we were talking about how oh, like my. this is like yes, it does like death raising inflation, right? Because Andrew like does way more than Jesus, but also all these just these random hangers on get miraculous powers too. It's true. Would you have to feel like it is part of the sales pitch? Yeah, it's very scalable. Like if there's any, um, so you could be raising the dead within two weeks of if there's cleaving. Any uh, VC angel investors listening? to this podcast i have a very exciting opportunity for you um you've heard of 10x what about 10x gin <laughs> think about that mm -hmm. one it doesn't mean anything yet yet are we uh, going to talk about the other miracle in philippi oh what's the other miracle in philippi it's the it's the one where there are two brothers and two sisters oh right yeah first cousins they're they're first cousins and they're set to marry each other and uh and he 
prevents them from he doing strolls so. in and prevents them from getting married to each other because St- incest is wrong yeah strong anti-incest stance from this book i mean at at that point people were still marrying first cousins honestly they were still marrying first cousins up until like the early 20th century and in fact christopher robin of winnie the pooh fame w- grew up and married his first cousin and that was not portrayed in the movie Christopher Robin that recently came out because they're cowards and because they're following St. Andrew. To the, yeah. To get back to Andrew for a moment. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. If you, if, you, if you don't mind. This is like a <laughs> this is a little uh, pet topic of mine. I can tell. It's weirding me it's Christopher out. Christopher Robin's incestuous marriage is yeah. very important to my development. I don't know how, but that's fine. It's fine. Keep going. Um, the interesting thing about this little story is later on in the in the M.R. James compilation of... Uh, the Mr. James compilation? Yes, that's right. We call him Mr. James. Um, he includes a couple of fragments of this text because it's not available in any complete form, mm-hmm. I, think, I think we said. Yes. Um, but one of the fragments is actually this same story. But the issue is not that they're related. The issue is that these young people are getting married at all. Right. I did read this weird little fragment because in in the alternate fragment, um, he is going with this, uh, the Pauline ideal, right, of uh, if you can live without getting married and never having sex, that would be the best. Right. So it's much more much more on the ascetic side. And that's also what we see in a lot of Gnostic apocrypha. Um, For example, you may remember uh, the Acts of Thomas, where Thomas goes around India preventing, like, going to newlywed couples and being like, hey, guys, let's never have sex. And they're like, awesome. I love Jesus. And so it, it, it's interesting. So either there were multiple versions of this text floating around. Or Gregory of Tours got his... His grubby little his mitts on him. extremely clean little mitts on him. <laughs> so, Yeah. Potentially a little Gnosticism scrubbed from the record there. Hmm. Cleaned up. So he comes to a region, I forget what it is, I didn't write it down, where the proconsul is a man named Virinus. Uh, and Virinus gets word that there's this sorcerer telling people not to worship the gods, but to worship this, this stupid human who is crucified. And he sends troops to bring Andrew in. Of course... Not only do the soldiers, you know, not hurt Andrew, but as soon as they arrive, one of them yells out like, oh, man, I'm a demon. Why did you have to send me against this this super holy guy, like the one guy who I couldn't take down? And then the demon leaves the soldier's body and he falls dead. And everyone is immediately like, yes, Jesus. And they all convert. Uh, but the proconsul is very angry. So he has... The demon really gave up his disguise so easily. I know. Like, he, didn't he couldn't even... just be like, oh, I'm feeling sick. I got to go. I know. He didn't even like directly confront Andrew. He just like saw him and he was like, I'm out. Not before giving a, a little speech. Though. A little speech. So Varanus has Andrew dragged to the local stadium by his hair and he throws him in the ring and he lets loose a wild boar. But the wild boar doesn't touch Andrew. And then Varanus lets loose a bull, but the bull doesn't touch him and in fact kills the hunters who brought it in instead. And then he lets loose a leopard. Not just any leopard. It's like a super leopard. Super leopard. and Which I love. The super leopard 
ignores everyone else and just goes straight after the proconsul's son. Right. Quote, but Virinus was so angry that he said nothing of it nor cared. (laughs) (laughs) Great dad. Great dad. Uh, The crowd is loving it, Mm -hmm. by the way. And Andrew says, that ye may believe the more I will raise the dead son and confound the foolish father. And he raises the son back from the dead. Everyone is converted except Verinus, including Verinus's wife. And they all want to kill him. But Andrew stops them because he's just that kind of guy. He's, oh, yeah. He's all about turning the other cheek. He's not going to kill anybody no matter how righteous it is except for incest mom which like who does wither and die yeah and like i'm not gonna argue with that one next on the list andrew goes to a house where a 75 foot long serpent is stomping around killing everyone that's a very long serpent i love this snake you love this snake it's huge baby (laughs) just it's very large big snake and big snake has got the energy that i need in 2019 (laughs) Big snake energy. B.S.E. Andrew says, hide thy head, foul one, which thou didst raise in the beginning for the hurt of mankind, and obey the servants of God and die. And then the serpent roared and coiled about a great oak nearby and vomited poison and blood and died. Vomited poison and blood and died. That'll do it, right? R.I.P. Big snake, Um, we hardly knew ye. This is possibly my favorite part of this whole book is when Andrew then goes to the parents of a child who was killed by the serpent. And he's like, okay, don't worry. I have the power of the one true God. I have Jesus on my side. I'm going to raise your son from the dead. And they say, quote, we care not so much for the child's death if we be avenged. <laughs> Weird. When, uh, I, we could take him or leave him. We we wanted to kill this big snake. And we did see the snake vomit blood and poison the and die. The snake dies, was so very big and it was awesome when you killed him. We could go home right now. You know. We don't need to do this. Uh, Andrew doesn't seem to react to that at all. He he actually has the proconsul's wife perform the miracle. It says the parents fell at Andrew's feet. Uh, what exactly they were feeling is not specified. Maybe they were like, come on. <laughs> now we have to feed this kid again. <laughs> I thought we made it pretty clear. I thought, I thought we're we were done now. with this. We lost a son and we saw a giant snake explode. It's a great day. Um. So, yeah. Basically, it just continues in this way. He's, uh, there's a, He has a very brief interaction with Diana. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't directly, but basically... Well, because she doesn't exist because she's a pagan idol. Well, I mean, in this one, she has a conversation with someone else. Which she does? A woman, Calliope, married to a murderer, had an illegitimate child and suffered in travail. She told her sister to call on Diana for help. When she did so, the devil appeared to her at night and said, Why do you trouble me with vain prayers? Go to Andrew and Achaia. Oh, but that's the devil. Is that re- I thought that was calling Diana a devil. It is, because she's a, because she doesn't really exist. So when you call on a pagan idol, you just get a demon instead. Mm. Demons are real. Mm. Diana is not. But, I mean, I find the distinction a little fine, but I get the idea. I mean... I do as well, but Gregory of Tours did not, That's I'm fair. sure. And this is a demon-rich text. Can we talk about that? The, yeah. This... Demons per page is way <laughs> up there. Um, let's see. What else do we have? Oh, uh, there's Lesbius. Okay. That's a great proconsul. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, like, used to have a mistress who's now married to someone else. This is the, one of the more epic tales yes. in that it takes up the better part of it three takes up, paragraphs. Yeah, three or four whole paragraphs. Trophima 
is the name of the mistress, and she's now married to someone else. When she leaves that guy and clave to Andrew, Mm -hmm. that guy tells Lesbius's wife, like, oh, they're having their affair again. So then Lesbius's wife, quote, had Trophima sentenced as a prostitute and sent to the brothel. That's right. Apparently, this was a punishment you could get as a woman if you had sex outside of marriage. You don't go to jail. You get sent to the brothel. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, she's just she's a Christian, so she's just in the brothel, uh, constantly praying. And like when a guy tries to like uh, have sex with her, brothelatize. He, <laughs> she's brothelatizing. An angel, you know, kills all the Johns that that try to get with her. Uh, meanwhile, Lesbius's wife is killed by an ugly demon in a bathhouse. That's right. <laughs> the the, the demon most is embarrassing ugly. death you can have. Ugly demon in a bathhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, Lesbius doesn't want to raise her from the dead because of her cruelty toward Trophima. Mm-hmm. But Andrew raises her from the dead anyway. Again, <laughs> like <laughs> he's like, I can't stop this power. I, I feel like he just kind of has to be the adult in this situation. And people are just bizarrely content to let their personal grievances play out with mortal consequences. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, guys, like you, you can't. We're talking about life and death here, and they're like, meh, well, whatever. They, they have a Greek idea of vengeance and justice. Yes, so and he has a a Christian idea. Christian idea. Yeah, turn the other cheek. Some other miracles. He convinces a seventy-four-year-old libertine to change his ways. That one is very strange. Uh, the libertine dies six months later, which is a good thing, in the view of the text. Yeah, he's basically like, I've lived the way I've wanted for 74 years or whatever, and now I want to make right. And Andrew tells him to fast, and he does. And then six months later, he, he dies. dies of starvation. Congrats. <laughs> and that was that's the right yep. thing. There you go, everybody. Uh, I like when he heals a guy full of pus and worms. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I like that too. He ran naked through the city, proclaiming the true God. <laughs> that's right. He's like... I mean, that's the ultimate. You, everybody knows him as like puss and worm guy. And then you see him on the street and you're like, and you're like wow, he's looking good. The puss and worms have truly run out of him. <laughs> uh, Terrible. Eventually, as must happen with all our martyred apostles, Andrew is arrested and imprisoned by a proconsul named either Aegeus or Aegides or Aegeates, depending on which fragment you're reading and uh he's angry because his wife maximilla left him to cleave to andrew and he's gonna get his revenge on andrew and we're gonna talk about that after a quick break we'll be back in about a minute you're gonna hear some music and we love you very much bye bye
Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we're talking about the apocryphal acts of Andrew. And when we left off, Andrew, after performing many a miracle... Countless miracles. uh, ...was arrested and jailed by a proconsul named, we'll say, Aegides. You got it, baby. And this Aegides is, is very angry because his wife, Maximilla, has left him to cleave to Andrew. So, while Andrew is in prison... He starts, quote, discoursing to the brethren. He does. I would like to point out that this is uh, M.R. James, the translator, describes this as, quote, highly tedious in parts. This I is... can't disagree. And M.R. James, as we described, was a big Bible boy mm-hmm. of 20th century. Maybe one of the most famous Bible boys from that so, time. So, like, if he thinks it's highly tedious... This is on a next level of tedium here. And I guess this is part of the stuff that Gregory of Tours edited out. Apparently, if the text was like this, absolutely cut it to ribbons. It's in another fragment. So he's discoursing, uh, and everyone's coming to the jail to hear He has logged on. (laughs) And uh, Aegides, the proconsul, tells his wife Maximilla, like, it's either this guy or me. If If you come back to me... And start having sex with me again, I'll let Andrew out of jail. But if you don't, then I will have him killed. He seems jealous. And... Well, gave it away. <laughs> you you want to be like, Ajides, they're not having an affair. They're repressed Christians that think, like, no one should ever have sex. But, honestly, the interaction between Andrew and Maximilla is uh, horny as heck. Wow. Very charged. She sure. This goes, is this is an angel Buffy. This is a... Uh, she goes to visit him in jail. Mm. I didn't even she, give me time to do another example. She puts his hands before her eyes and then puts them to her mouth. Wow. And tells him what her husband said. And he is like, you know what? You're doing the right thing. Um, of course, you want to be free of your foul and polluted marriage that's right quote unquote uh my favorite part is when he's like i kind of feel like you're even i'm adam right now like is that crazy (laughs) (laughs) that is the most apostolic come on (laughs) and then you know he says okay don't give in do not have sex with the gds stay pure uh quote let not his noise move thee but continue chaste and let him punish me not only with such torments as bonds, but let him cast me to the beasts or burn me with fire and throw me from a precipice. Yuck. And what need I say? There is but this one body. Let him abuse that as he will. I'm not yucking at kink in general. I'm just saying I think Please it's... stop yucking other people's yums. Oh my god. <laughs> line that's the pro kink line on internet.com they need to work out a better one uh so <laughs> i agree i agree with that and it makes my, me angry my yum is not saying yuck and yum <laughs> to describe sexual acts if possible unless you get off on that <laughs> maximilla exits the jail but stratocles who is Aegidas's brother. Great name. Is also there. And he says, if you die, Andrew, quote, 
Hereafter, when I seek thy care and affection, where shall I find it or in whom? I have received the seeds of the words of salvation. Were you not listening? How about Jesus and thou the Christ? wast the sower. But they should sprout up and grow. Needs none other but thee, most blessed Andrew. And Andrew's like, don't worry, there's enough Andrew to go around. No, he's like, uh, don't worry, I'm going to die for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Jesus conquers all, mm-hmm. uh, etc. Meanwhile, Maximilla tells the GD she's not coming back to him. And so he decides to crucify Andrew. It's It, it can't be stressed enough how like florid and overwritten this section of the text yes, is like um, this this fragment mm-hmm. and again there's no way to really know like how close to the source this is because i think even this fragment is like of uncertain origin yes i read a couple academic papers about trying to source origin stuff mm-hmm. and did for they this book. did they shed any light on that for you no i mean like cool it's generally like people can narrow it down to date ranges and are pretty sure like what language the original fragments were in and stuff like what that were they, what were they in it was originally written in Greek. Okay, cool. That's what I would expect. Yeah. I mean, it's it, that's what I'm saying. It's not that surprising. I read them and... I, now no one else has to. I was mine, Ever again. <laughs> I was trying to mine them for original content <laughs> that would entertain and enlighten my listeners, and I failed. I'm well, either not a good miner or that vein was too poor for me to spend any time on. But here I am to warn you. I'm the canary, okay? And the coal mine is reading the Bible. <laughs> So Andrew gives one last sermon from prison. Uh, You know, hey, guys, you all saw my miracles. You know, I'm the real deal. Again, I think this sort of cheapens the whole deal with miracles. Absolutely. Whatever. Uh, I'm about to die, but don't worry. Uh, Death is no big deal because now we have Jesus who defeated death and defeated Satan and uh, gave us eternal life. Now we're going into the third fragment of the text, which is even more fragmented. Mm -hmm. Um. Pulled together from a bunch of little tiny fragments from all over uh, by a scholar named Joseph Flamion, French scholar, uh, and and translated by our friend Mr. James. In this fragment, Egedes gets his goons to go get Andrew from his cell. And he gets your goons. And he gets Andy gets your goons. <laughs> uh, and they, you know, they beat him up. But they are stopped by uh, Egedes' brother Stratocles, who beats all the guards up and rips their clothes off. With, Semi-miraculously. Yeah, and then... Like with uh, some sort of Jesus judo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he uses the, the the momentum of their own clothes against them. And he's like, you know, you're lucky I'm a Christian now, or I would have done even worse. And the guards go back to Aegides, and they're like, look, your brother grabbed him. There was nothing we could do. Uh, he tore our clothes. <laughs> what are we sp- we're supposed to go naked. You can't. They ask. didn't teach us this in goon school. Yeah, <laughs> we need overtime if we're going to do like nude beatings. That's a whole different pay level. Um, of course, Stratocles just leads Andrew to the crucifixion site anyway. Right. I mean, because we all know how the story is going to end. As soon as it enters the end game of yeah. any of these, as soon as we've stories, got crucifixion on the table, I, we're just like we're just fast forward yeah. until we know. And Andrew, of course, is is not trying to avoid execution, and in fact, he scolds Stratocles for muttering about his brother under his breath uh, because, you know, Jesus said, turn the other cheek, and dying is great because then you get to go to heaven and be with God. Um, the only one who's really dying is Aegides because he's the one 
being evil. Here's where we get a little more, possibly a little more Gnosticism. Oh, I was going to say it's all over this this version. Of a the little, text. a little smack of Gnosticism. Yeah. Um, because Gnosis watch, Gnosis watch is going on. <laughs> it's Gnosis watch. You may remember from our some of our season two apocrypha episodes what Gnosticism is. If you don't, I'm going to sum it up real quick for you. It was this weird branch of early Christianity that believed that an evil lesser god known as the Demiurge or Yaldabaoth had created the world. And that's why the physical world that we live in is fallen and sinful. What did uh, what did they call it earlier? Foul and polluted. That's right. Uh, but your metaphysical, non-physical soul can ascend to heaven. Because it was created by the real God. Because it was created by the real God. Uh, you're like a spark of the divine, or at least some people are. And you can do this by gaining secret knowledge or gnosis. That let, about. You, let you pierce the veil. Yes. Pierce that veil. So, Andrew sees the cross. He starts monologuing at it. <laughs> Pred- predictably. <laughs> about how beautiful it is because it's going to send him to heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, he says, uh, you know, I know thy mystery for the which thou art set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, well done, O shape of understanding that wow. hast shaped the shapeless earth. These so, are lots of Gnostic, Gnostic yeah, keywords. These are secret knowledge type of uh, red flags. And then when they do put him up on the cross and they tie him instead of nailing him because that's supposed to prolong the torture somehow. They tie him up on the cross and he starts laughing. And that's something we see in like all the Gnostic texts is mm-hmm. that when Jesus is crucified, he starts laughing. Because he's not mad. He's actually laughing. And this is actually funny to him. And the soldiers think they're killing him, but actually they're just sending his divine spark back to the real God in the fullness of heaven. Um, you know, that doesn't necessarily have to be Gnostic no. laughing on the cross, but it, it certainly seems like an influence here to and- my completely amateur eye and certainly the way they talk about the marriage in this in the denouement of this Mm -hmm. text is very reminiscent of those ascetic gnostics who are like actually it's better if you don't touch anyone and never have sex yes um and you should just like be a little perfect pure vessel of knowledge and then stay clean everything about the rest of this world's this mortal flesh world is terrible especially sex yeah and that's true and that's why we should all upload our consciousness to the cloud. I hate to break it to you, my dear, but the cloud is like 80% porn. Shit. Fuck. <laughs> if you want to go live in, like, there's so much more porn in the cloud <laughs> than, than in my daily in, life. In the real world. So if you want to trade the real world that's like a very small percentage porn <sighs> with a place that is a very high percentage porn, you're welcome to upload yourself to the oh, cloud. Oh, no. I have to go talk to my Gnostic priest about this. He's going to be very disappointed. By, yeah. My digital Gnostic priest. Um, so Andrew is up on the cross. Obviously, he's preaching and everyone is gathering to hear him preach and he preaches for a day and a night. At length. At length. Um, until everybody kind of is like... This guy obviously didn't do anything wrong. He's he's telling us these amazing truths about God. Right. Why is he being executed? And so they get Aegides to to go take him down, but that's not what Andrew wants. Andrew's laughing. This is actually funny to Andrew. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> as Aegides like reaches up to untie him, he's like, "God, quick, 
take me now. Kill me. <laughs> and and God does. Yay. Um, and he dies. Maximilla, the wife, cuts him down, gives him a proper burial. And she never goes back to Aegides and never has sex again. Yay, Maximilla. Aegides uh, dies without heirs. And his brother Stratocles won't take any of his inheritance because he's announced uh, excuse me, not announcing, renouncing all material wealth because it's part of the foul and polluted world uh, and all that matters is God. And so then everyone lives happily ever after the end. Beautiful. So it's a classic martyrdom story. Now, did anything about this crucifixion stand out to you? I mean, it was very similar to Jesus's death. That's the thing, is that it shouldn't be, Right. What I was surprised by is that the cross is normal-shaped. It's explicitly described as being a normal-shaped cross like the one that Jesus died on. But the tradition passed down for centuries is that St. Andrew died on a X-shaped cross. Mm. It's like, you know, how St. Peter had the upside-down cross right. because it would be too, like... Presumptuous to die on the same cross. As Jesus, yeah. exactly. And so St. Andrew is said to have died on an X-shaped cross and that you know saint andrew's the patron saint of scotland mm -hmm. and that's why the scottish flag is the, has saint andrew's cross on it yeah, yeah saint andrew's cross it's a white x and that's why that's a part of the uk flag um where that tradition got started i do not know as it got edited and re-edited and whatever like somebody may have just gotten skittish about having uh, surely didn't mean the same kind of cross as jesus even though he describes the cross at length he's like part of it points up and that means heaven and part of it points down and that means earth because it's connecting heaven and earth and part of it points left and he goes on and on i'm sure they were just like oh they're just trying to evoke jesus i'm sure i'm sure it was really an x-shaped cross yeah well or i mean the the fact is it could have just been like part of the folk story of of andrew yeah because like as this separate was, from this other folk story about right. Andrew. Yeah. yeah. That just, they spread and they get altered and retold they and altered and retold. and get read. You spread them, then you read them. That's what I say. I've heard you say that zero times. It's not bad. <laughs> would you like to rate this book? I would love to rate this book. I'm going to give it, it's a tough one for me. It's a tough one. You know, so I think I'm going to give it like 9 out of 17 foul and polluted marriages interesting interesting and uh what's your reasoning on that so it's got a problem which is miracle inflation <laughs> it's also got another problem which is that the the third segment about the martyrdom which seems to be i i don't know how to judge what's really authentic and what's not authentic but at least has the as the most sort of style of that kind of romance is really boring <laughs> It's, what, you don't like him discoursing to the brethren? It's really tough to read. <laughs> and the interesting bits are really along the, uh, along the outside edges of it for me. That being said, it, is, it does have that real folktale flair that I, that I enjoy, mm -hmm. especially when it's applied to Christian themes. Like we were saying, it reminds us of King Arthur stories right. of like people going from town to town, encountering bizarre situations, and then resolving them in the expected manner. Yes. You know, it's, it's a romance. So in that, way, in that way, I like it. Yeah. But it's certainly not essential. I have similar similar thoughts. Um, I'm going to give it 40 out of 75 feet of the serpent length. <laughs> feet of the serpent length. Yep. 
Well, I, as I was speaking, I no, realized No, it's that, perfect. Don't apologize. Okay. I didn't want to make it seem like the serpent had said No, anything. shut your mouth. Okay. And now talk. Thank you. And you're welcome. Um, yeah. Similarly, you know, you you think when, when you read this type of thing, you're like, just get rid of all the filler theology and just give me the miracles. Mm-hmm. But actually, when you when only you- have miracles, <laughs> it gets a little repetitive. That's right. You kind of need... You know, some some the some comic relief to to break it up. Yeah, maybe not comic in this case. Although I'm, it certainly could have hurt in it. You know, like it's. I mean, it's the same. Uh, just like the same dramatic role, like sure. some sort of relief. You some know, tension so, and release. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is all release. This is all release. You're right. It's all catharsis. There's no tharsis. It's it's just pure tharsis, <laughs> and. Then, I mean, yeah, then you get this crap at the end that's all theology. It's just, it's poorly paced. Well, I mean, it's not even a thing, right? I mean, it's just a bunch of stuff. It's stitched, not even a thing. Stitched together arbitrarily, so. And that we decided to do a podcast episode about. That's right. It's Rightly, not even a thing. in my opinion. 40, did I give it 40 or 45? 40. 40 out of 75 feet of a serpent length, it's not a thing. <laughs> it's not even a thing. So I think we put a pretty definitive cap on that. No one ever needs to talk about that. Uh, ever again. Yeah, all scholarship of the Acts of Andrew can end now. And let's go to the mailbag. Honestly, they should thank us. <laughs> we got a letter from listener Scott, who grew up Presbyterian in actually the next town over from where I was raised Presbyterian. A lot of Presbyterian churches in that area because it's very affluent. Uh, he says, quote, I went the opposite direction than Lauren and became a pagan, which was really interesting as I served in the San Francisco Presbyterian Committee on the Preparation for Ministry for six years, several years after I was initiated as a witch, and with full disclosure to my pastor at St. John's in Berkeley. The Bay Area is truly a magical place. Classic (laughs) Bay Area story. And I love it. Someone wrote in to give us props, well, specifically me, for mentioning Philip K. Dick's pink laser beam, the divine light from heaven that shot into his brain, and filled him with so much knowledge that he couldn't possibly understand. As we all know. The person did have High Castle in their email address, so it's possible they're a true fan. A true a true dickhead. <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> I can say <laughs> Oh, okay. I don't want to appropriate it. Um, we also received a very kind and lovely email from listener Ashlyn, who, among other things, asked us to curse three monstrous and very adorable cats— Named Prince Cotton, Minerva, and Persephone. Great cat names. So here's a curse for them. Hide thy head, foul one, which thou didst raise in the beginning of the herd of mankind, and obey the servants of God and die. But don't really die, because you're cute. We also have two dogs to bless, a good senior boy named CeeLo, and a 20-pound lab dachshund mix named Lily Two, who has heartworms. Oh, Poor baby. <laughs> She's very strange looking and adorable and has heartworms. Receive the grace which Christ our Lord giveth you by me, his servant. And I'm talking to the dogs there. (laughs) Uh, So that will wrap it up for this week's episode of Sunday School Dropouts. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at SunSchoolDrop. If you want to follow me, I'm at Lauren E. O'Neill, spelled with an A in O'Neill, like Shaquille spells O'Neill. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Nico Bakulich, N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-A. If you want to, I don't know, rate us on iTunes and or Apple Podcasts and or any 
podcatcher of your choice, you could be like the dynamic and vivacious individuals who have done so already, such as Mrs. Worthington, who gave us seven out of seven eyes on that one stone. Somebody named Angel Bestiality, who called us cute and interesting. Damn. Ren Bin gave us five out of five tricky Moabite women. Greg is on the go, gave us one out of one blessed gritty. And Lady Zippy said we're better than going to actual church. Actual church. The actual church. Actual church. That's not a thing. <laughs> it's actual church. It's not even a thing. <laughs> if you want a pet such as a cat or a dog, blessed or also cursed. Also such as bird or horse. Bird or horse. Uh, can even be cow or lizard. Chog friend. Could be a chog. <laughs> Potential chog situation. You can send us email to contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. That's contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol and not .com. We couldn't afford .com. .com is a place for... It's not even a place. .com. It's not even a place. It's not even a place. There's no there there. Actually about Oakland. That's truly a Bay Area. So it could only happen in the Bay Area. That's right. Anyway, that's all. And we love you. And we'll see you on Sunday. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.